Hello, my dear church boys, and welcome to St. Robert's Day Game Pickup Podcast, where it is uh, my job to give you no bullshit advice on how to take control of your dating life and start meeting girls you really like anywhere, whether that's on the street, in shops, cafes, gyms, elevators, tennis courts, whatever. This podcast episode is coming to you from a lovely small city of Porto in Portugal. Uh, I came here after booking a last-minute flight from Malta. I'm basically hopping from city to city to escape all any cities that have lockdowns where you can't go out on the street. And I'm just looking for the last islands in Europe where you can day game, where you can do whatever the fuck you want freely. Because obviously you can day game in any city you can you, uh, where you can go out. And I'm here coaching a student. Uh, I'll stay here until I get bored or until they tell me I cannot leave my apartment. So we'll see how this goes. And in this podcast episode, I'm sitting down with Mark Zolo, who is the owner uh, and the guy behind the Naughty Nomad blog. Let me read you his about page. Hi, I'm Mark Zolo, also known as the Naughty Nomad. I am an Irish guy who loves to travel. Unlike most travel bloggers, I keep it real. Think Lonely Planet with sex, drugs and rock and roll. I've been to 110 plus countries, not to mention Antarctica and a few self-proclaimed republics. After living two years in New York City, I've relocated to the Mediterranean. My goal is to visit every country in the world and 56% complete. I'm also a little bit naughty. In fact, I'm a globe-trotting, border-jumping, adrenaline-seeking, international debaucher. Although I'm calmed, I've calmed down a lot in the recent years. Also, I've been known to travel to war zones dressed as a Mexican pirate. We recorded this interview several days ago when I was still in Malta. Mark owns a few bars in Malta, uh, that's his brick and mortar business. And we were just sitting in one of his bars having coffees and chatting about his adventures. If you have ever googled uh, something along the lines how to get laid in insert city name, one of the top results in Google results was probably his blog Naughty Nomad where he has written descriptions of many many cities all around the world. I had never read his books but right now I'm reading his book Naughty Nomad and the stories are sick. Although I must admit the book is pretty short. This is the first seduction-based memoir I'm reading and it's really, really crazy. Smuggling drugs, escaping, getting arrested, actually getting arrested, jumping more borders, crazy sex and many other crazy adventures. I highly suggest to read that book. As you know, I'm recording this podcast uh, once a week, maybe once in two weeks, depending on how busy I am with infield coaching and with Skype coaching with my day game students. But if there is anything else I want to share with my audience, I want to send my followers, maybe it's, uh, it's cities where I'm going, some meetups I'm organizing, maybe I'm announcing some interviews I'm doing and I'm asking, hey, is there anything you want to ask this guy or any interesting ideas, lay reports or tips and tricks about day game, maybe new, new videos I'm publishing, then I usually either send it out to my mailing list or I publish in our Telegram uh, group chat, which is called Day Game Church. 
church. So if you want to be sure you're not missing out on any fun day game uh, materials, then make sure you are on my mailing list and also in our day game church group chat. If you want to join uh, both of them, then simply go to my website saintrobert.blog, that is strobert.blog, and fill out the form on the website. In the welcome email, you will also re receive an uh, invitation link to join the Day Game Church group chat where we have over 180 Day Gamers from all over the world. And you will also get a link to join daygamecourses.com which is a free online course platform where I have published several courses on texting and on dating completely for free. When you are learning day game, there are many things to focus on when, when you try to get better. You have to overcome approach anxiety, you have to fix your voice, you have to learn to open stronger and open in the right way using the pre-opener, the opener in the correct way. You have to learn to stack, you have to learn to story, tell to tease, to build comfort, to close strong, etc. When students send me their recorded sets from conversations with girls on the street or simply when they have coaching goals, I can very fast notice the biggest mistakes they're making. I'll listen to three, two or three conversations and see them repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And usually those are things they didn't even know they're doing. Learning everything at once is a very slow way to improve your day game. But when I point, point out the most important mistakes my students are making and when I tell them exact, the exact few things they should focus on during the next 100 sets, students start improving much faster. I work this way with guys from all over the world, different places in USA, uh, Canada, all over EU, guys from UK, even guys from Dubai. So if you want me to help you find out what your biggest mistakes are and what exactly should you focus to stop making those mistakes and get results in the day game faster, you can check out all about my coaching goals and sign up for one by going to strobert.blog forward slash call. That is strobert.blog forward slash call. If you want to do that, do it now. And now without any further introduction, introductions, here is my conversation with Mark Zolo, also known as the Naughty Nomad. Click start. So, hey, um, hello dear church boys. Uh, we are sitting here in the lovely island of Malta where I'm still uh, escaping COVID with the one and only uh, Naughty Nomad, the Mexican pirate, Mark, Mark Zolo. Hey guys. And, and let's, let's start with what we were just chatting about. Dude, what the fuck happened with your sailboat? <laughs> yeah, well, that was an ill-fated journey. Um, so I bought, a, I bought a sailboat in Marseille la last... Uh, start again? Or no, no, just no, you were just a loud guy. Put it a bit so uh, I bought a sailboat in Marseille last month and uh, went over last Monday to try and sail it over to Malta and went out on the Tuesday, we provisioned on the Monday, went out on the Tuesday and we knew the weather was going to be bad. Uh, we were looking at uh, windy.com and it was, you know, they have like different color levels. It was like light blue, green is good, then it's yellows, reds, or <laughs> we were in the yellows and reds 
and uh, we, we decided to risk it anyway and we went out and we got smashed uh, we got smashed we were trying to fight the the wind and the waves and it was and it was a bit scary now to be honest so we had to turn back in the end and the, uh, the guy I was with he's quite an experienced skipper he was actually my instructor here young guy he's only 25 but uh, he, he's crossed the Atlantic so he's pretty experienced for him to say no no <laughs> we're going back <laughs> we knew it was going to be risky at the end of October trying this journey but uh, yeah anyway so we, we turned back the next day was way worse so uh, we would have been stuck in over 40 knots of wind and we would have been <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know if we would have been alive to be honest so it was a good thing we did turn back um, the next day we had a little window of opportunity, uh, but instead of going into the wind, we decided to go like 12 hours south, kind of parallel to the wind, or sorry, uh, perpendicular to the wind, and just get out of the hairy stuff, get out of the danger zone, and then we could turn towards Corsica and Sardinia. Uh, so we did that, and it was 12 hours of hell. I mean, at night time, you know, you hit these huge waves, you couldn't see them. You know, during the day, when I was uh, staring into the... You know, you could stare into the waves, you could surf the waves. But at night time, you'd have huge waves just crashing over the bow, smashing you. Uh, the boat, load of water in the boat, everything was destroyed. But we got through it. Fast forward to day three, we're about 20 nautical miles, that's about near 40 kilometers off the coast of Sardinia and uh, it's night time and we decide to we had been motoring for a while because there was no wind and we decided to uh, put up our sails we were going to sail down to the south of Sardinia keep going and before we could do that we turned off the motor we were putting up our sails and all of a sudden all of our navigation lights started flickering it's, they started flickering turned off Compass went, G uh, GPS went, depth sounder, everything, complete blackness. And we're like, what the hell? What happened? And uh, and then uh, then then we get the smell from uh, from on deck, and it's like this rubbery smell. We're like, oh fuck, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? And uh, and then we just see the smoke billowing out from the engine room. <laughs> and then it's, it's just a full-blown panic. We're, we're 40 kilometers out, just the smoke and the fire, and we're like, fuck, fuck. So we, we, we got down below um, below deck, and the first thing you learn, and this is my instructor, I think he taught it to me, but the first thing you're not supposed to do is, is open up the engine room from yes. inside. Use the oxygen, right? Yeah, break, all the oxygen comes in, and but you don't think of those situations. You're just absolutely terrified. And uh, so we opened up the... Um, the engine room and of course exactly what happened oxygen came in <laughs> we luckily there was a, a fire extinguisher board grabbed the fire extinguisher and I, I think uh, we're such a panic uh, we turned it the opposite way and sprayed it in our faces <laughs> started coughing <laughs> it was just panic absolute panic and uh, then we turned it on the flames and sprayed it in and, and it went out um, so we got the fire out. The first thing we're looking for is, is uh, are we sinking? Is everything all right? Uh, and it was, but we were, we were in shock, you know. We didn't know what to do. Uh, there was no wind, so we were kind of dead in the water. And we no power, so no VHF radio. Uh, I think if I had 40% of my battery, he had 6% on his phone. We had no reception anyway. 
So we uh, we we sailed in a bit, and we used an inverter, or we figured out a way to redirect power from the battery, one of the batteries, directly to the VHF. Finally got that um, working. Coast Guard came out, and the the rescue was actually as stressful as the fire because it was these. The boat was rolling and rolling. Uh, the Coast Guard tried to tow us, so we wrapped uh, a load of rope around the, the front of the boat. But with the rolling and the pulling, the yanking, like the front cleats snapped off. So the thing that you attach, uh, yeah. you attach to the front, but they all snapped off. Uh, so they were like, "Oh, we're sorry, <laughs> we can't do anything. I don't know what you're gonna do." Uh, so we, we we tried to sail in. There was very little wind. We tried to sail in. Uh, we got in about 11 nautical miles. And we finally got reception because they gave us a number of a, a, a professional tow company who could maybe do the things better. Uh, and we thought we'd sail in because it was going to cost me a fortune for this. Uh, and then when we got reception, the first thing I did was uh, I turned on the Navi Navionics app and I realized we were headed straight for a load of rocks. So we were in the complete black, and it's, but there were rocks underneath the surface, so we wouldn't have seen them. So we would have, been, we would have ran aground and, uh, you know, turn, or jibe, jibe, jibe. Uh, we jibed, and there was a load of obstructions around uh, where we were. So we were trying to sail in to, to land, but it, I had to call it in eventually because the batteries were dying. Uh, the, v, we, the VHF radio as well, the battery was going to run out. We couldn't give away a position, so we had to get um, the tow company out eventually. And... Then again, they tied around the mast, the ropes around the mast. The rigging was old, so started to stress the mast. It was like, the mast is not coming down. That would destroy the boat. So yeah. we eventually wrapped a load of rope through the in towards the cabin, like the, through the front hatch and out where the anchor comes up. So it was in the internals. Yes. And uh, after about three hours of really slow progress, uh, we managed to get to the marina. And... Uh, yeah, and, and uh, it was a, it was a quite the adventure. And then the next morning, I got told that'll be six thousand euros, please. You have to quarantine on the boat for fourteen days, and the marine is full, so you're going to figure it. Have to move? <laughs> are you going to move the boat? And and my other skipper, he already left. He left immediately uh, to go fly back home because he knew it wasn't it wasn't fixable. All the electronics were fried. The starter motor was fried. But eventually I got out of it. I used Photoshop creatively for a COVID test. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> uh, which way, which way, do not encourage, don't do stupid things, and don't, well, don't, to, don't blame us for legal yeah. stuff afterwards. Well, the thing is, my, pa <laughs> my passport was expiring in, in, at the 2nd of November, so I had to get out of that situation. And I begged them, and they eventually uh, let me stay in the marina. So it's, it's up there till uh, April. And also, uh, I got them down. I got the price down as well. He, he knew it was in a bad spot, so uh, yeah. So it all worked out in the end, sort of. So the boat's in Sardinia. Uh, hasn't made it to Malta yet. Hopefully in the springtime, I'll have a second uh, attempt. That's, that's quite a story. That's quite a story. So uh, to the guys who don't know who you are, I'll just paint a really simple picture. If you've ever Googled the Riga Day Game Guide or Belgrade Day Game Guide or I don't know. How to get laid in uh, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Yes, so if you Google that, then you came up on an article and probably on top of the Google search uh, results, there was a site, uh, Naughty Nomad. Yeah, it's, it's at present, I believe, 
the number one or the largest resource on the internet in men's travel. Uh, so I've written over a hundred city guides from everywhere, from all over West Africa to Colombia to all over Asia, most of Europe. Um, yeah, pretty much every continent apart from Australia. And I just help guys, you know, pick up and tell them where to go at nighttime. If you want to get high, maybe I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I do. And all right, you always had like the cost of weed. Uh, yeah, on, on yeah, the, yeah. All I remember, I was exploring. Uh, I was supposed to go to Morocco, but when COVID started, I had to go to Malta, stay here for a few days, and then fly to Morocco. But like the fucking lockdown started, and I couldn't come to Malta. Then Morocco was closed, and. I remember, yeah, it was like... I had a men's guide to Morocco, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. And I think you had like the cities you went to. Yeah. Bingo, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember. Chef Chouan, that's where you want to go. Yeah. You can just sit down at a restaurant in Chef Chouan. It's like in the Rift Mountains. It's a beautiful town as well. It looks a bit like Mykonos in, uh, in Greece. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, beautiful white buildings and blue. And yeah, it's, uh, they, you just show up there and everybody's offering you hashish. And it's grade A stuff. It's brilliant. So uh, let's let's paint a little picture. I don't want to. So what I don't want to do, as I told you before the interview, I don't want to talk like all the time just about game and, and picking up chicks all over the world. It's a fun thing to do. It's an interesting thing to do. And a guy that wants to figure out what what is the stuff he likes with women and how 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 women work and how relationship works. I believe every man should go through the phase. They, they should learn how this works, they, they should, what we call it, well, we can call it learn game or whatever, but at one point, it, it probably you start thinking, oh, there are more things in life, like becoming a pirate, and, 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 uh, and I definitely want to talk about what, what, what was the turning point for you when you were like, okay, yeah, like, you know, fuck this, fuck that, and like, what else is there in life? I want to talk about that a little bit later, but to the guys uh, who like, the, the wild stories and who doesn't like them. Let's start with how did you? What's what? What were your first steps in uh, the world of seduction? So when I was uh, when I was eighteen, my dad gave me a copy of the game by Neil Strauss. So which is pretty cool. He he heard Neil on an interview on Irish radio. He had just released the game, and he bought it home. And he goes, check that out. I was just about to start college, and uh, so I was in there pretty early. I was one of the, I'm an OG at, at this stage, that was 16 years ago, and I tried everything. I had no mentors at the time, because it was just starting, you know, and I would go out and I'd wear, I'd try and peacock, and I'd, <laughs> I'd learn the magic tricks like mystery, I, I was pretty good at the magic as well, but I, I, I made so many mistakes, I mean, I was going out with, um, uh, I was going out with zebra-skinned platform shoes with fish in the heel. Yeah, and like I'd have a matching big um, purple hat with like a zebra band around it. Oh my god! And I had dreadlocks and a curly mustache. I mean, I looked ridiculous. <laughs> so so I, it didn't work. Uh, I did it, it wrong. Didn't? It didn't. I got a lot of attention and I got chatter, I got chatted up a lot, but uh, I didn't have the other skills. It didn't. No, no, no. I looked ridiculous. I didn't look cool. <laughs> Like what the Mexican it? pirate thing worked, you know, like we used to travel with Mexican pirates with swords, uh, sombreros, fake mustaches, that worked. So you went to Kosovo in that outfit as you understood from your website? Kosovo, Syria, Somalia, uh, loads of war zones. I think I've been to over 
30 countries, stress of Mexican pirates, like all through West Africa. And we'd have inflatable bananas sometimes, a pet chicken at one stage. Uh, what I found is the the more people who do it with you, the better it is. If you're just going out alone or with another person dressed crazy, it doesn't work. It's I think Mystery mentions this in the uh, Venusian Arts Handbook. That's my go-to. Um, yeah, but he talks about you know you need to do it in a group, really. So do you do you want to move to the the hallway where it might be quieter? Uh, Pause it. So uh, we're back. Um, you know. You have to move there. <laughs> a bit it's getting a bit loud. Yeah. Uh, so Mexican pirates. Uh, first of all, the first time you went somewhere as a <laughs> dressed as a pirate, was it as a group or or was it more of a solo thing? Well, glad you asked. Well, um, we were in Dusseldorf, two of my friends, and we were arguing about. So last night was Oktoberfest, and we were arguing about what to do because we were in bed by 12 o'clock every night because we got too drunk. And there was a debate between my two friends about what to do. So, we wanted to start a party and wondering what to do. We all made our suggestions and we narrowed it down to two. One idea was drink sangria, sombreros, one and all. The other was dress as pirates and embark in a pub crawl. But then we all decided wouldn't it be obscene to combine the two and be the pirates of the Sangarine? <laughs> <laughs> that's basically how it happened. So, so well, that was Dusseldorf. The first yeah. war zone was Dusseldorf Bar Curl. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think we all got BJs that night and uh, didn't think anything of it. Until we were, then we were doing a trip from Athens to Zadar. So it was eight countries, Greece to Croatia. And one of my friends suggested, oh, do you remember that Mexican pirate thing we did last year? We should, we should bring the sombreros and the swords and the mustaches and the eye patches. And we should do, like, maybe every Saturday we go out on this three-week trip, you know. So you're still peacocking, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, wasn't in, it wasn't intended for it. But then we end up, that trip, we ended up doing it for the 24 nights in a row. Like, every night. And it was just carnage. It was the most fun I ever had in my life. And that extended to a three-month trip in West Africa, where we're an under friend, my friend uh, Gilly and I. Uh, I mean, and that we had inflatables. We got a pet chicken uh, in Liberia, uh, and was just mad. As we went into Cote d'Ivoire during the civil war, um, and we nearly got killed in Nigeria. There was a whole lot of stories. I read a bit of my my last book, My Life as a Mexican Pirate. What? I'm <laughs> listening. <laughs> And nearly get killed part. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's a brief. It's a, brief. Couple, a couple of times, it's a couple of times. I've had a few close calls in my life. Uh, and then we, we were trying to up the game again. So after Cote d'Ivoire, we ended up doing the same thing in Syria during the war, 2012, when it was bad in Damascus. And then after that, we had to up it again. And eventually it cum accumulated in uh, Mogadishu, Somalia, with a suicide bomber's decapitated head at my feet. Brain oozing it. I have a YouTube video actually. I did a documentary. Uh, Wait, someone decapitated someone in front of you? No, it was a suicide bomber who blew himself up. In front of you? No, no, no. It was they, uh, prior to us arriving to the restaurant. Oh, okay. And I, I had my video camera. I did a documentary on it. The last episode is still up on YouTube. Um, the last uh, episode with the suicide bomber where you can see his head and stuff. So, so the guys that want to see it now, what do they search on YouTube? Naughty Nomad. The way to Mogadishu. 
uh, yeah, because uh, the other three episodes got pulled. I don't know why they left that one up. YouTube left that one up because that's the one with the most graphic uh, graphic content in it. Uh, yeah, and I write about it in my, my book, obviously, but it's pretty horrific stuff. Uh, the Mexican Pirates book. Yeah, my life is a Mexican pirate. MexicanPirates.com. It's and that's that was my second book. My first book. See what happened as well. My first book, Naughty Nomad, was pretty extreme. Anyway, um, I, I mean, it got to number one in travel writing for uh, in Amazon. It was just my life from 18 to 23. My first passport. Uh, it was very extreme. A lot of drug smuggling, a bit of war zone stuff. We went from Cairo to Cape Town, all through Africa. We jumped borders, ended up in jail in Siberia. There was a lot of crazy stories in it. And I guess with the Mexican pirate thing, I knew I was writing a second book. So I would purposely get myself into horrible, dangerous situations. <laughs> because I knew I had to... It was all, I was almost like a performance monkey in retrospect. Uh, but it produced, I mean, a great, a great book. I'm really happy with it. And uh, now I need to be a bit more relaxed. I say that as I got rescued from a sailboat last week, but, but uh, yeah, it kind of, it was kind of a downward spiral of madness a bit. Um, so that's kind of how it progressed. So the, the one trend I start to notice, it's similar than the guy I told you I interviewed yesterday, yeah, yeah. The, the scientist who loves drugs and sex, is the more, the more of a serious guy you are, the more of a degenerate you are. Yeah, and you seem to have the same uh, the same kind of vibe. You have your serious side, yeah. but you have your complete degenerate side, which which I love about. That's the thing I love in life, that people that can have both of those sides instead of just picking one and then living unhappily either as a drug addict or or, or as like a workaholic. Whereas if you if you do all of those things in life that kind of brings uh, I don't know more fun to it. I guess it's uh, everything in moderation, including moderation, and a lot of it's balanced because if you're very serious all the time, uh, you need an outlet. So you definitely. There was a good who who did I hear? It? it was a good quote about this, um, or people talk about it. I think even Tusk, uh, James Tusk, talked about this with an interview with Troy Francis. Was you know monk, you go monk mode for a period of time and then you have concentrated periods of degeneracy and yes. craziness. Uh, that's maybe a good way to live your life as opposed to being always uh, on the other side of the spectrum where you're just always crazy, always Yeah, that's kind of what I got the vibe from Tusk. Yeah. When he's London, he's like chilled out and working and then he yeah. goes to South America or wherever and... Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like myself now. Like I, I have three bars now in Malta. Quite a, you know, I'm running a uh, big business now. Uh, and I then go away for a few weeks to, like last year I was in, for example, Nepal and Kazakhstan and where was it, Colombia? Yeah, so I, I kind of go away and try and do my crazy thing, but I don't go for three months anymore because I'm a bit older now and I said try, trying to run a, run a business, so I can only do it in two weeks spurts. Uh, so you are more of a night gamer. You you haven't really yeah. indulged in the day game adventures. Uh. I I plenty. I've plenty of. Uh, I've met plenty of girls during the day, but I've never, uh, I guess, purposely went out during the day and tried to. Uh, oh, except for maybe I can think of a few times. 
Uh, <laughs> but that's just when I was like really, really just mad for it. I remember in my last day in Bahamas, I was going through all the big islands in the Caribbean, and I I've been with locals in every country. And Bahamas, I was it was my last day. I was like, oh no, I was never with the Bahamian. So I was like going into. I, my last day, I was a horn dog. I was like going from shop to shop, like chatting up the cashiers, chatting up basically any hot girl I saw. Eventually, it paid off. <laughs> that's it. That's the last time I ever day gaming. But no, I definitely am more of a night guy. I like the energy. I'm, I'm more high energy. Uh, yeah, that's more my style. It's I grew up over a bar. I'm third generation bar owners. I mean, I own bars now. So bars and disco bars, nightclubs, I grew up in that environment, so I'm very comfortable in it, and it's my, it's my wheelhouse, so I strive. Are you... Try do you consider... Think. Do you consider yourself like a tech... Like, if you had to kind of build uh, or explain how you night game, yeah, uh -huh. not just the party why, but how, how you talk to girls and how you uh -huh. introduce them, if you had to explain to someone work. how you do that, I'm not asking you to do that, but, but oh, no, no, it's could good. you do it? Like, could yeah, you yeah. teach? Like, let's say you have a son and he's 18 one day. You give yeah. him the book that you wrote, and you say, "Son, this is the book." So, could you write a book like that? Yeah, I've often thought about it to be honest, because I took the I took mystery method to an extreme, you could say, and the pirate thing. You start when you start dressing up like that, and you start to. Uh, do that every night. You kind of become a pirate, and a pirate in a way is a row. He's a, he's a savage. He's a caveman. You know, we talk about caveman game. So I mean, if you look at how I would pick up girls, it's so primitive. It's go up, uh, pull their hair. I'd pull their hair, poke them with the sword. You know, they just poke them and pull their hair and grunt. And you know, <laughs> and there's a lot of movements and pulling. Very aggressive very aggressive um, for example in New York now this was because uh, I, I learned this from years as a Mexican pirate this kind of to embody the caveman style and in New York I'd never dressed as a Mexican pirate but because I had that mentality the majority of sex I had in New York was all bathroom sex very fast so go up to a girl in the bar and I in maybe 10 minutes bathroom I was very direct very aggressive um, primitive, so a lot of pulling the hair. I, I, I <laughs> it, very, very primitive. Just, but it's sort of like a deep. Uh, how can I put it? I bring out the animalism. Yeah, in, in uh, it must have been a learning curve when you started to do that. Uh, it must have. Yeah, been, oh, yeah. Must be a lot of stories with a lot of uh, rejection. A lot of probably like. <laughs> Hilarious rejection. Yeah, tell, especially tell me some of those. I'm definitely. Oh, I mean, I, I've, I, I especially remember when I was in my early twenties and I was experimenting. Uh, this was kind of prior to the. I mean, I got. I think I got. I started to get good with girls in my early twenties. Um. But I remember when I was learning, I would try things like negs. A lot, you know, like you know the neg thing where yeah. you, oh they used to go terrible. I got slapped in the face. Drinks put in my in my face um, and for guys who 
who are listening who don't know what an egg is, it's sort of like a backhanded compliment or like... They, they little, do know. All right, cool. They, they know their shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. They, like, yeah. And so, if someone doesn't know their shit, they shouldn't be listening. Yeah. So <laughs> I, 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 had to, I had to learn to calibrate. I said the peacock thing. I overdid it at the start. Uh, I was definitely too cocky when I was starting off. So, uh, I mean, I faced a lot of rejection. And it took a while to, to get good. And also, you need to calibrate depending on where the girl is from. So what I ended up specializing in uh, was, I guess, flags or girls from different countries. Uh, when I was 27, I had been with over a third of the world's nationalities. So I think for that age, I was kind of like the world champion as far as I knew online. Yeah. So I, was, I, was, I would hone in on you know, different countries. And you, when you do that, you really get good because there's so much cultural differences between, let's say, a Chinese girl and a Brazilian girl. Uh, you need to calibrate massively. And by learning with all that variation, uh, your, the learning curve is way Faster. Yes, and the, the yeah. ne each next time you meet a new nationality, you learn to calibrate much faster yeah. to the new... Because you've done this so many times before that, yeah. that you notice the small things that, that suggest, oh, I Patterns should go... Yeah, yeah. And, and you find the magic formula for this new part of the world yeah. just because of your previous experiences. Yeah, and it is different. Like, game is not a one-size-fits-all. I don't believe that at all. I remember there was a really good book I read, because you know, most teachers in game teach a one generic formula, you know, AWALT and all that. But there was one, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was called, uh, it was one of the old school pickup artist guys, and he had basically eight personality types. I'm sure if you type in. Uh, yeah, based on three questions, like a yes. th sexual trauma. Bingo. Yeah, uh, those the dude girl. That was shit, man. That was Pandora's box. Pandora's box. I started with that shit, man. Pandora's box. I started with that. Yeah, that I was excellent. With that book. I actually, uh, I was when I started. I yeah. was on Tom Torero's podcast, yeah. and that's the topic we were talking about. That yeah. idea behind that book that there are different archetypes of girls based Bingo. on three. I was like three, could, three, three, yeah. three questions you could you could evaluate which type. There was like the princess and the I can't remember Cinderella the guy. and can't remember who's the guy. Yeah, I I, I can't either. Uh, I'm sure if you Google guys, Pandora's D'Angelo something D'Angelo. No, you're thinking of Dave D'Angelo. Yes, I don't think he wrote that one. Dave D'Angelo. No, no, it was no, a it different guy. That. It wasn't that. It was a different guy. But yeah, Pandora's box yeah. system was the yeah, and that 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 was really good for me. I think that's when kind of things got really good for me because I I start I stopped following the same pattern with the nags and, and yeah. trying to do the same thing every time and I would calibrate based on the archetype and that's maybe why I got really good with different nationalities because I, I added nuance to game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys just teach that one, one formula fits all but that nuance, I mean that's why they call it pickup artistry. Yes. Because arts, it's not, it's not a science, because yes. arts require creativity. And creativity is the ability to, you know, take a situation and mold it and improvise. Um, so it is, it is in a way, an art, it's a skill. It's not like this, you know, I, I said it's a magic formula which a lot of people teach. You, I mean, you could go down the science road, you could look at data and look at percentages, what works, what doesn't work. Um, but ultimately, it is an art. and You only get good at it from experience, like martial yes, arts. Yes, and but, I think 
the the way I look at it, uh, the way I learn, for example, mm -hmm. the way the way I see different people talking about game, and the way I coach, uh, I'm an extremely structured coach. Like I give them what you call is like, okay, this is what you do. Shut the fuck up. We and have do to this. start with that. Yes, yes, and that's the starting point. Yeah. So what I say is, okay, this is what you start with because. Yeah. You don't know how to improvise. You don't know how to calibrate. You don't know how to adapt, yeah. do, do adjust, uh, like calibrate to different girls. So here is where you start with. Bingo. Once you get success with this, you will start to see small things that would have like you. You kind of learn to. This is your starting base, foundation, and you learn yeah. to yeah your foundation, and you learn to calibrate from that into different. You move into different directions depending on which one. First of all, well, first guys will learn to calibrate to different girls, but then over time they will, like in your case, you will discover Mexican Pirate is my game. <laughs> or I will discover that if I go on a date with a good girl who's never had a one-night stand, then my first topic of conversation will be how I've done MDMA and my crazy roles and, and, and doing LSD. That's my game. That's how I, like I, I on, the, on the street, I'll talk with chicks. Like one of the first topics will be like doing drugs and shit like that. So guys start with the fundamentals. Fundamentals. Then they learn what you talked about. Like there are very different types of girls and you have to approach them differently. But over time, I think you just say, fuck this. This is my game. Like, and you feel like a fish in a water. Actually, now that I'm talking about it, so you start with fundamentals. Yeah. Once your fundamentals are so good, you don't have to think about them. Yes. You learn different types of girls. Once you are good with so many different types of girls, you can start thinking your own game. Your own game, while at the same time you are on autopilot doing the right things with very different types of girls. So you start from a science, but then you develop this, develop it in like this. I don't know. You, you just know, know it. You know what you're talking about. I mean, you just asked me. We're we're trying to roll together with jujitsu yesterday. Yes. But the, you couldn't get the COVID test. But it, you could be talking about jujitsu right now. So you learn the fundamentals yeah. as a white belt, and as you move on to blue belt and purple belt, you start to develop your own uh, game based on your strengths. Yeah. So, but everyone has to learn the positions and the basics, and the basic escapes and the basic attacks. At the start, and it's the same with game. Uh, the pick, the arts, Venusian arts. I really think, I really don't think a lot's been improved upon from Mystery. He really, he really nailed it down with that, with that, with that, with that book and that name. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. So you, you had your, your, you, you, you mentioned in your about page on your website yeah. uh, that you've done all this crazy shit, but over the last years you've kind of chilled out a little bit. Yes, tiny bit. Yeah, I, I, I have my, you know, obviously last week, trying, still trying to sail across oceans and stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I, my initial goal was to travel to every country in the world before I was mid-30s, but then I knew another Irish guy, uh, he has a website, One Step for Ward, he's a millionaire blogger, dude, travel blogger, he did it, he, he was an Irish guy who did it, uh, I think, by his late 30s. I remember Wait, what's what's the blog's name? Uh, one step forward for Ward. Sorry, his name is Johnny forward. Ward. His name is Johnny Ward. Johnny Ward. Okay. Yeah, and uh, interesting guy. You should actually probably interview him. That's why I'm asking. He's been to name. every country in the world. Yes. He just, I think he just got engaged with this hot Thai girl. Uh, she's gorgeous, and he's probably his stories. Yeah, he. I guarantee his stories. I will. Uh, uh, reach out to him, but. Um, yeah, but he had done that, and I remember he went through a year of oh, what do I do next? I've been to every country. And I thought to myself, 
you know, if I did do that, boy, I, I, I went to my 100th country on my 30th birthday. And I thought, if I did finish every country soon, what would I do with the rest of my life? I mean, I'd be, the rest of, the, the second half of my life would be a big anticlimax. So I was like, you know what, I don't need to be in a rush to do this. Because I was never, the pickup stuff was kind of fun and secondary, but I was always an adventurer, a traveler. I identified with like Indiana Jones and James Bond when I was a kid. Uh, that was always kind of my spirit. Uh, but I want to be like 80 cruising into my last country, you know. I want to enjoy the ride because it was in such a rush. So now I'm, I'm you know, my adventure is in business and I'm hopefully going to start a family in the next two, three years as well because, you know, I'm 34 now, I think 36, 37. It's probably a good age uh, to have kids. I've always wanted to do that. I grew up in a great family structure, a uh, very clan-like uh, structure. We're all very close, big family. So that's important to me. Um, yeah, why, why can't I travel the Pacific Islands, maybe in a sailboat, with my children? So uh, that sounds like fun too. I love your thinking, because that's uh, something I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, I definitely don't want to hang up my boots and, yeah. and uh, stop uh, traveling and... and uh, having adventures. Having adventures. So just a quick interjection about this. Even though I plan all this, guys listening, very important in your relationship, you keep doing guys' trips with your friends every year. That's just a non-negotiable. Uh, if you make that normal in the relationship, uh, it, it'll be normal 20 years from now. So every year, me and my friends, we still do our guys' trips away in crazy places. Uh, and that just if you make that a norm, it's, it's not And obviously, years ago, it was pirates and drugs and now it's probably golf and uh there is a bit of that but we did actually go to belarus ukraine dressed as mexican pirates in january so <laughs> wait that's a gen oh that's a long time yeah. ago yeah okay, yeah that's... so we did we did we did uh, have a bit of uh homage to the mexican pirate one of my friends was getting married it was a stag do we said oh, we'll do a last mexican pirate bash uh and it was mad it was a, it was a mess it was a mess of a trip went to chernobyl for a stag imagine <laughs> That's good for. Uh, so yeah, the, the thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is uh, what happens. Well, the, the the topic no one talks about, or yeah. the taboo topic. Yeah. What happens after a game? Because Bingo. we've seen uh, we've seen both sides of the war, so yeah. to say. There is the traditional people who say, well. You start a family young, and you marry this your your high school sweetheart, and and and. But we've seen that that doesn't really work if you don't understand how the dating works, how have relationships. If you don't have that experience, yeah. and if you haven't I'm discovered the yourself, red pill or whatever. yeah, if taken the red pill, yeah. Um, so we know that doesn't work. Then we have London guys who were. Yeah, the relationship sucks. You just travel. You just bang chicks. That's all you do. That's that's all you need. I've met a lot of those guys in their fifties, and it's it doesn't look as cool. Yes, so so it's a it's definitely something you should do, but we see where that led, where that yeah. generation. We see the old generation, the relationship generation. We saw it doesn't work statistically. It doesn't work, yeah. and we also see that the the oh fuck relationships. Let's just. Travel yeah, a lot of game. Yeah, there's a lot of guys now in their, in their, I guess, in the in the red pill. Not all of them, of course, but a lot of them were like, all women are hoes. And yes. What's the point? 
And yeah, she's gonna s- she's gonna cheat on you with like you know Chad and Tyrone or whatever. But the, the, no, I think the, the important thing that exploring this part of your life that gives to you, like banging those chicks, having those threesomes, having those orgies, like exploring mm-hmm. all of those things, it gives you an understanding and a realization that maybe she will, but you'll never find out. And okay, <laughs> like that's kind of the conclusion I've come to. It's like. Yeah. If she does, I'll never know, and there's nothing I can do about it. Unless she's really dumb about it. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, you gotta, you gotta pick, you gotta pick, you gotta watch for the red flags and avoid. The, yes, uh, and the, so many guys I know who are experienced in game and pick up, have, but they haven't taken the red pill. Let's say, yeah, uh, they miss the red flags. They, yes, they go with their feelings or their their connection. They don't think about it logically, and you need to think about it. A life partner, you really need to think about. Cold hard logic, not just how you feel. Let about me it. ask you a very leading question. Yeah, how do you how do you learn? Uh, how do you suggest someone learns to recognize the red flags? Well, like you could probably name the biggest ones. Uh, you could just list them off. I mean, uh, I think daddy issues is probably number one for me. I've noticed that pattern, especially living in New York. Just how is a relationship with her father? That's probably the most important thing. Um, obviously, like multiple visible tattoos. For me, is like a bit of a red flag because I think you can add a, add ten cocks for every tattoo. <laughs> I've met maybe it depends on the country, yeah. but I've met girls who are crazy tattooed. But like I used to see innocent. this chick for two and a half years, yeah. blue hair, earplugs, tattoos. She was the purest thing I've seen. She was the purest girl I've slept with. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's just the whole. That's why I don't like the whole a wall. All girls are like that thing because there is nuance. Yeah, yeah, but what I meant with the leading question, uh, like, what I think is, if you if you haven't had those few years where that's all you do, yeah. you learn game, you learn the game and, and how it works, and you yeah. haven't seen all of that stuff. When you do that, when you do the relationship stuff, non-monogamous stuff, uh-huh. a lot of it, yeah, yeah, you learn to not cling to the feelings you get instantly, because normally a guy would sleep with a few check, chicks, develop feelings for one of them, and, and boom. Yeah. Which, what I've seen is the longer I do this, the longer I live this single lifestyle, the harder for me, not harder in a good way, oh, not harder in a bad way, harder in a good way, the, the harder for me it is to develop feelings quickly. Yeah. I, I, I don't find myself falling into the trap that easily. Which means I, I think I can look with a kind of clear vision, clear vision on what's going on, and then make a decision. Okay, what do I do? What do I want to do with this next? Bingo! Yeah. Instead of just, I mean, in a way, that's it's sort of a curse. Uh, when you get all this experience, it's it's almost very difficult to develop any sort of connection because, it, you know, they say it happens to to women about. It's more difficult to pair bond when they've slept with X amount of men, but it's the same with same with men. You know, you don't the girl who's like super beautiful and super nice to you. Uh, she just you're kind of immune to her charms in a way, uh, and it makes it hard because it's I, I find I find it's a lot harder to connect with people and gir- like girls in general with all the experience. It's very hard for me to to really connect like I did when I was in my late teens, twenties. But in a way, it's a blessing because I can be very logical about what I want, and I can ignore the red flags, uh, and you know, choose the green flags. You know, this yeah. person would be a good mother, 
to my children. Um, yeah, it gives you, gives you clear vision, as you were saying. So uh, the problem is, uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know what the sweet spot is or what the number is, but for sure there's a point where if you sleep with X amount of, of girls, it, it can be an issue. I, I, don't, I think it's unhealthy. I have experienced that myself because I, I do struggle with, with intimacy and, and connection uh, because of all the experience. And you also, the fact that you know that there's so much abundance out there, there's so much options, you don't, you don't really feel like orientated towards one person. So it's, it, can be, it, can be, it can be poisonous in a way, uh, too much experience. So I don't know if I'd recommend guys to go out and, you know, knock up like big triple digits. Don't, don't bag a thousand chicks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, I, there, I don't know what the number is where you, you have enough experience that uh, and confidence and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. It's gone. But uh, I don't know what the, the sweet spot is where you're not naive and see clearly. But there's if, definitely if an upper limit. Way, if you were to spurt out the number, what would it be? I have a number in my head. I'll pull it. Like if that. I would say for the average guy, for a guy that that wants to spend a few years learning this stuff and then oh god, get, get exploring game and then then start, then ask this question again to himself: What it? What is it that I want out of life? When do you think is appropriate moment to start asking what is it that I want out of my life? With? Well, okay, I'd say if there's a number. Maybe fifty, okay. Maybe thirty, even. Thirty. I don't know. Like, because uh, I think after a hundred, you start to get like jaded, and you start to like struggle with the connection thing. Yeah. Um. And then when you go up again and again and again, it gets harder and harder. I don't know. You see, that's that's a difficult. That's actually an interesting, yeah. uh, interesting point because to me it's. I don't see the data, you know, like like how many chicks a, guy, a guy's had yeah. and how long has that relation, like if, if, if you were having a family and you wanted to keep the family together, if, if your idea was, all right, I have kids and I want to stick in this long-term relationship, uh, you know, old school, what's the probability of divorce versus uh, much count. how many you're not counting? Because I know for women, there is there is data on that. Oh, there is? Yeah, there is data. Hey, what's the number? I'm, uh, I'm interested. I mean, virgins have obviously the highest, lowest percentage of divorce. And it's it's a, like a, it's a curve. Once you're over 10, I mean, there's a 12% chance that you're going to have a relationship after 10, 12, okay. uh, 12 years. And it's directly proportional to how much. I think there's, there's one, even one to three girls. You guys can look this up. Uh, I think it's something to do with sexual promiscuity. And divorce rates, and there's actual academic studies on it. Uh, Does it take into consideration the, maybe like the video you put up about Armenia, where they well, a lot of the times premarital sex is a big taboo? Does it take is the is the data taken from one country, like let's say yeah, USA, I or believe, is it like I all over the place? I believe it's only in yeah, because that's a little bit different. If, if course, you include yeah. places where they're very religious and sex yes. is this bad thing, then that's different. If you take one country. Yeah. And it's yeah. Then it's gonna. And, and that's a big thing legit. as well. When you're picking somebody, like pick. I would recommend picking a girl from a bit more of a traditional background. I mean, I wouldn't go running to recommend any guy to mar marry an American woman or or an English chick, because I mean, just just the culture is. Uh, yeah. If you marry someone from, if you wanted to get married, I should say, 
like Ukraine or or I don't know Kyrgyzstan or or uh, <laughs> India or, or or East Asia, you're they're probably going to be a bit more traditional, and okay. the, the likelihood is you're probably going to have a better chance. Of so the way I think about about uh, the numbers and when it's fine to. Well, what number was in your head? My, my number was 100. 100, yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's for me. Yeah. Because what but I know... But the thing is, if you're, if you're good, though, that's easy, right? But I'm talking about... I was thinking of the average dude. The average dude can't knock up 100 chicks, I don't like, think. I'm an average dude. Nah, you're no, you're tall. But I have a game. You got a, you got, you got a nice beard, testosterone, you got tattoos. I mean, you do... You can tell you do pretty well Well, let's say I was at 30. Yeah. Notches, just like... Because I've been single for, I've been living this single lifestyle for 33. Oh, similar. And I've been living this lifestyle for the last, a bit more than three years. Mm -hmm. And up until then, I was 30. I've had 30 notches. Ah, And I was uh, you're 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 coming to the game a bit late then. Yes. Ah. I was like, I had six relationships from 15 to 33. To 30. I was like a big relationship type of guy. And then I kind of decided... Well, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. I looked at it and it's like every time is worse and worse, even though I'm trying to do the right thing and and each each next try, each next time that each time I try, I'm trying to do more of the nice guy right thing. Uh-huh. And just more and more of a disaster. And I just said, Well, if this doesn't work, I'll go on an exploration. I'll see what other options there are. Uh-huh. And so I discovered day game by Googling how to meet chicks. Oh, well. nice. uh, and then uh, at around a hundred, mm-hmm. I kind of said to myself, "Okay, this is nice, but you get burned out." I, I, I was like, "I don't care." It, I it gets to a point where, like, if you sleep with someone, you don't even feel remotely yes. different. It's like a okay. It's like, it. yeah, I, I, because then because that's the thing about the countries. I, I went, I got that very early with the notch count, so I was like, "Oh, this is." I felt nothing. But I still got a kick out of a new country, so that's <laughs> yeah. why when I was in my mid twenties, I was like knocking off like yeah. like uh, tons of nationalities a year, and I used to get a bit of a kick. But then that stopped. Yeah, that's because I think when I was twenty seven, I was I, I didn't know anyone my age who was near my number, uh, on the internet at least, and uh, so I got no pleasure from I wasn't in competition because <laughs> maybe I felt like I was in a competition, but I proved myself or whatever. And I got eventually got no feeling at all from it. I was like, "What am I doing?" I remember one time I was out and uh, it was like there was this really hot uh, Russian chick, and then there was this girl who was I think she was where was she from Jamaica or something like that. I can't, I can't remember the context, but um, the, the the Russian was like you know an eight, and then the other chick was like a six. But I went for the six because like oh new country. Yeah. And then I, I woke up next morning. I was like, "What the fuck did I do that for? That was so yeah. dumb." Yeah. <laughs> Just because I wanted the new country, you know. Uh, and also, she was black and had a big ass, and I like that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, it eventually gets to a point where it's not satisfying, and that's why you you went into game right at, at when you're when you were here in thirty-nine-ish. Yeah. Where I around that age, when I was in late twenties, I got a lot more satisfaction. When I joined the gym and got into jujitsu, yeah, that was actually I got a lot more satisfaction from that then than the girls thing, and, and even just building up a business and got a lot more uh, satisfaction from uh, enriching my masculine side 
in other areas apart from the sex thing. Because yeah. guys overly, uh, you know, they look at themselves in the mirror and evaluate themselves as men, mostly by how much women they are with or how successful they are with women. And once you get sort of in that area of your life, you look at other areas. Um, and, that, and that's something that's difficult to get across for men because they're so obsessed with pussy that, you know, I ignored the advice about like going to the gym or, or sorting out my money, my finances. I didn't care about that stuff when I was young because yeah. I just wanted pussy. I just wanted pussy. And I could get it without with being out of shape. And that's what game works. I mean, being out of shape and being broke. And I killed it. I killed it. Um, but when you get those things, when you start to get a, like, feel a bit better about yourself, and your body and you get strong and you know how to fight and you have money you you get so much more inner confidence from that you feel a lot more self-esteem what i found is i actually started sleeping with girls less because i didn't feel like i needed validation from women as much because uh, i used to definitely sleep you know a lot of the sexual addiction i, I don't know if we call it sex addiction but a lot of it came from validation and trying to like oh i'm such a man look how manly i am Look at all these girls I've been with. Um, and I think that's maybe where, uh, why, sorry, I'm talking about it being unhealthy, you know, racking up those numbers. So why are you doing this? Are you racking up, like, triple digits because you want to prove something to yourself? You want to feel like a man? Are there other areas of your life where you're neglecting or maybe you can uh, fulfill that hole in a more holistic fashion? So I do think when we talk about fundamentals, we shouldn't just look at fundamentals again. You should look at fundamentals of your life. There are different yeah. areas. Uh, yeah. the, the one big trap that's going to happen uh, right after guys listen to this yeah. podcast, they'll say, oh, nice, I don't have to game. I don't have to sleep with chicks. I can stay a virgin. And oh God, I God. just have to build my value. I have to work in my business. I have to work in my fitness. Obviously, I have to go and train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Fuck game, it's all for validation. I'm a cool dude. Build the ship, the chicks will come. So <laughs> that is absolute projection. That's what that is. It's our like, that's like the pussy way out, you know. Yeah, I mean? no yeah. guys, you still gotta learn game. You still have to learn game. That's, you still have to get those notches in. It's a ta- it's like it's a foundations, right? If one of the if one of the pillars goes down, you know, the building ain't worth crap. I'm saying look at all areas of your life, but you need sort of the your love life. Because Nothing will tear down a man faster than being bad with women. Because if you don't know how women work and you don't have the skills and experience, you're going to get your ass cheated on, divorce raped. You're going to hurt in the end. Um, guys who understand women better are going to have a better life. Because uh, the biggest decisions you make is if you want to have a family now. Obviously, not everyone listening to this wants to have a family. But, not yet. Um, maybe one day like, they'll get or, the or a part. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, or maybe not. Maybe they join a church, become Christian, and, and ban all the pickup content from uh, their sites. Yeah, but I mean, if, but let's be honest. If you guys are listening to this, they're go- they're interested in learning game, of course. Yeah. So I don't think you're gonna get a lot of people to listen to this. The the MGTOWs, they call well, it. Well, maybe like some some guy like sees this, they see your name, and they yeah. start listening to this, and they say, "Oh, Mark said I, I I I have to focus on fitness and money and." Yeah, no, I would, I still, I mean, I, I'm in my early 20s, you know, you don't care about fitness and money in your 20s because you can pretty much, the body's a bit kind on your, yes. for the drinking and the eating. And, you know, it's okay to be broke in your 20s. People don't care because everyone, every other guy is broke in their 20s. But 
you know, you're just so horny as well. So he just found a lot back. But I know you should look at all aspects of it. But if I'm saying if you're doing it and you're racking up all these numbers and you just keep doing it like an addiction and you're trying to fill a hole because it's a black hole, uh, then you might want to zoom out. But first you gotta you gotta try and fill the hole. You know, you gotta be uh, you gotta get experience. I mean, you could say the same thing about money. When is enough? There's a lot of guys who say that's the black hole. They go down that rabbit hole. You know, money is the game. Money is their pussy. is like they can never earn enough. They're never happy. Yeah. Um, you have to kind of zoom out and look. What do I really want? Because yeah. that's kind of what I. What's my philosophy in life in general? I've always hated being told what to do. I almost have. I have almost never worked a real job, like a nine to five. I always had weird businesses. And uh, I have a tattoo, like my chest tattoo says, I do what I want. And it's one of the meanings is, well, fuck you, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. And the other meaning is, I do what I want. If I want something, I'll fucking go and do it. And so for me, it has always been really, really important to do what I want with my life and understand what are my values, what, what's, what's important for me. But in business in the last, I don't know how many years, that has been the thing I've also helped others do. I, my, my background is business coaching. I used to work as a business coach with small, uh, in small companies and especially with owners and, and their teams. And the reason I did that was I realized a business owner comes in his uh, office and his employee forgot to do something, didn't know how to do, fucked it up, forgot, just didn't do it. There were all those reasons why the employee didn't do the job. And now the owner, instead of focusing on new businesses, new challenges, new projects, has to do the employee's job. So I've, I've been always eager to help people fix their lives so that they could do whatever it is they want. And coaching day game is the same thing. I wanted like, to, to bank off checks. That's it. And I know that so many guys want to do the same thing. And it's, I think, so you do the, you, you, you find out what you like, you get good at it, but after a while, when you start seeing that it's a bottomless, it has turned into a bottomless pit, you ask yourself again that question, okay, what is the next thing I want to do? And maybe it's settle down, maybe it's start a, different type of business like you've chosen to do maybe it's i don't know become a drug lord or like <laughs> change your gender whatever your thing is i don't give a fuck and i think that's the beauty but guys have to understand that if you are horny motherfucker mm. if you are watching porn yeah and fapping and if you are a part of no fap movement then it's also you're actually a crazy sexual freak yeah. because you're deliberately not fapping, which is actually thinking about sex all the time or, or like you have to acknowledge who you are and what it is that you want and you have to fucking pursue it in your life instead of just focusing just on things that don't really make you happy. Uh, and I think it's very positive what you're doing. I mean, I, I, I think I gave up, first gave up porn when I was seven years ago. Believe it or not, that was long, long before the became the, the no not November stuff. Uh, but definitely going out, getting a teacher, learning day game. I mean, I think it's super positive. Um, you're going to get more confident, get more experience. Uh, I I don't think you have to worry about the guys who are like uh, saying, "Oh no, I don't have to do that." 
That's like that's like saying, yeah, you don't have to go, you don't have to go to the gym, you don't have to make a lot of money, you you don't have to uh, learn how to fight, you don't have to do anything. I mean, you just sit sit home, get government Living, checks. Malta. Yeah, <laughs> it's warm, it's nice. You don't need yeah. to pay for heating. Life is easy here. It yeah. is it is it's a good lifestyle here. In fairness, I mean, but I mean, you can't get through to those people anyway. I think people who have a growth mindset. Uh, will always try and strive to be better in all aspects of their life. So I think the first thing everyone needs, every guy needs, is a growth mindset. And you really notice that there's two types of people. There's people with a growth mindset and people who are just, you know, be yourself people. You know, I just want to, they're just in their comfort zone. Yeah. They, they don't really do much. And that's probably the majority of men. They, and they, they almost look down at people who are always trying to change themselves. Like, why can't you just be happy the way you are? Yeah. Like, like you know, what's wrong? Like, you know, why do you need all these girls? Why do you, why do you need to keep making businesses or, you know, going to, what are you doing? What are you... Are yeah, you, BJJ you know? is so dangerous. What yeah, the yeah. fuck are yeah, you yeah, doing exactly. yourself? Yeah, you I, could, I would want to try that. They yeah. ask so many questions and we never do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, there's <laughs> loads of guys like that. I mean, they don't get it. So, I, I, I'm, I find that more and more as I grow older, I grow further away from, from people in my, who I grew up with who are just in their comfort zones. And because if you're in a growth mindset, you start to grow and grow as a person in all aspects of your life, and you end up leaving people behind. That's what happens. And yeah. you meet new people who are on the same path as you, and it's and your life becomes richer as a result. Uh, and game is one of those. You know, even it's funny. I remember I went out with some jiu-jitsu guys, teachers of, of mine, and we were out nightclub, and uh, I remember instructing them about picking up chicks and told what to do and stuff like that. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but you're a black belt in girls. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, fuck, I need to learn that, you know? <laughs> and uh, and, and obviously black belts in jiu-jitsu are super growth mindset. And yeah. the guys, the, the jiu-jitsu guys you get into game are excellent at it because they just are obsessed. They're all about the techniques. They're, yes. They've been down this road before. They get really good at it. Uh, and obviously, Jiu-Jitsu tends to attract mental people anyway, people that are more intelligent. I know so many guys yeah. from game that do BJJ, man. Yeah, it's so everyone kind We're of becoming stereotypes. It. I swear, we all listen to fucking Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> we all do Jiu-Jitsu. We all like travel and game. It's becoming sort of uh, an archetype for the manosphere. An LSD. An LSD, yeah. <laughs> mushrooms is my... Uh, Go-to. Mushrooms is... I love mushrooms. But, I, you know, you don't do that often. But, yeah. I, I think... Uh, there's definitely a, I wish there was some sort of school or, you know, school for young men where some central point where you could develop all aspects of these. So you got the game school. Imagine like you're, you're in your 20s and there was some university of dudes where, you know, you got the game teachers where you go out and you develop your, your pickup skills, try all the different things. Then you got your jiu-jitsu school and your strength coaching. And then you got your language learning for travel where you're learning different languages. You know, that'd be cool. And then your trade or whatever, business coaching, you know. I'm thinking, no, because uh, <laughs> I could take my podcast that direction because yeah. I'm not always interested in talking about game. I, I, for me, it's fun to talk to, to you because uh, you're not just a guy with, with a good game and, and, and good adventures behind you behind you in your past but, and, and in your future, of course. But you're also a guy that runs uh, brick and mortar businesses. You have uh, the biggest uh, blog in, in your industry. You've written a few books. You've done crazy shit. But you have this serious side. You, you do BGJ. And, and I think that's interesting. And those conversations, I think, are 
just as valuable as conversations where I explain, guys, well, what defines your sexual market value and how to improve it. Yeah. It's good, but then there's the other type where you learn about all of this stuff. And, and that's the thing in... in, in and that will help you so much in your dating life because yes. your sexual market value is on your value as a person. Like, what are you doing with your life? Are you interesting? Yeah. If you're doing all this stuff and you're building businesses and... You're, you're, you're maybe your your niche is wakeboarding or or and you're learning languages and you're traveling or you're just life is interesting and full it's so attractive uh, I always think of now I think about uh, pickup if you look at fundamentals and a philosophy because you know I think we can you get bogged down the techniques and, uh, and this and that but if you a lot of it's just a mental um, it's your paradigms and how you think. I really think of, you should think of pickup and game as attraction, not seduction. Uh, seduction is, you know, you're like a, you're a cheetah in the savannah. Yeah. You're looking at your prey, you're taking them down, right? Yeah. Whereas I like to think of game as you want to be like a spider. You want to build a, this huge web. And just girls just get they fly away and they get stuck. And you're they're, in the center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're just stuck there. They just they're, they're, the flies are all just getting caught in there, and you're just in the center, just chilling. And then wrapping them in. in yeah, exactly. The it's, it's easy. It's just like they're already yours. It's yeah. just uh, that's and that's the you know that that takes a while. It takes experience. Yes. But you're, you have to be attractive. To be attractive, you need to have. It's you know really just a comprehensive. Uh, you need to be a. You need to be a full, the full package. And so I really think that's an interesting way to think about it. To be attractive. As opposed to seduce, if, if there's a mental shift, that's good for guys. I think that's. There's actually something I've been thinking a lot about about uh, helping guys, or I've been thinking about it for myself, but uh, about building your you know different experiences in your life. And I I've thought about this. So I I've traveled a bit. I've uh, I have my match count. I like I don't care about that much about those things that much anymore. But what I care about is interesting stories and interesting adventures. And I thought it would be amazing to bring, uh, to build something that could bring together amazing guys yeah. where they could network. But doing it just for the networking would be stupid. Yes. So I thought, what are some things that cool guys, and I have like, I have so many cool guys, cool guys around me just because of this business. I've coached so many amazing guys and, and met through, through day game. Uh, I thought, what are the things they want to learn and there are a few things that immediately come, came to my mind. First of all, every, everyone loves shooting guns. And like a bit of military yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to do, actually... And guns I, are fun, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like starting to think about... Or hunting. Let's take, take that out to an even better place. Hunting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to... And I will probably do this in, to, towards the spring. I want to set up like a two-week-long kind of light version of military boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Where guys from all over the world would come. I, I have to find the best country for it. I have guys who would, who would help me set it up in Latvia, but maybe that's not the best place because you can't yeah. do full auto on an AK-47. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it would be a place where they just come together, they learn to shoot guns, shitload, like they shoot a lot, and they would learn to go out in the nature, build a hut out of nothing, yeah. maybe spend a few days there. A few days there and and learn the weekends, party in the city kind of thing. It can be part of it, yes. Yeah. And so the idea, but, but the idea is, it, it, I don't want it to be open to everyone. Yeah. I want I want this a thing where those guys would benefit 
massively for from the connections they built but they would build them through these crazy experiences maybe a bit of struggle maybe it's something like that or maybe it's uh, getting a sailboat i know i i was thinking about this as well i'll tell you about the sailboat thing i was actually thinking of like doing a sailboat thing where you go port to port with dating coaches <laughs> so you like sail you learn how to sail and maybe in the daytime you, you learn jiu-jitsu and then at night time you're learning how to pick up you know that sounds like more interesting yeah that's that's actually a good idea <laughs> We're going in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely think there's, because I mean, there is boot camps, and there's, there's definitely, you know, retreats for yoga and and martial arts. But there's nothing that really ties it all together. But I think that kind of stuff would be really cool. But oh, but what I want to do, I don't want to focus on the guys that are single and want to learn game. Mm-hmm. They can be married with kids, wives, whatever. It's yes. like all different types of people. And ah, I want to. Yes. It's it's something I want to do outside of of game outside of attraction and I thought it's like them and also it's more sustainable because yeah. a lot of guys and yourself included I and you need to be careful of this because I have my blog naughty nomad right naughty being basically the whore part and nomad being the constant traveler part now I'm like the settled nice guy settled nice guy.com my new website <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is and with being a dating coach as well you have the label dating coach yes and there's an expectation that you you kind of have to fulfill this role and it, it puts you in a box and you put yourself in a box uh, so and guys need to be careful about that like you know when you put a pua beside your name in a twitter account yeah fuck that you know it's a terrible idea because all of a sudden you're stuck in that pua thing what Forever. happens when it's 10 years down the line and you want to do something else and maybe you've built this huge audience but you're still you know uh john p way or whatever yeah. uh, so so it, something like what you're talking about is a is a good idea from a point of view of looking long term because like maybe you you don't be a dating coach when you're 50 right maybe you do no uh, so, so be a stripper yeah exactly so <laughs> exactly so um yeah, I think what you're talking about, there's not enough of that kind of stuff for uh, for guys. I mean, guys run ultra marathons. They 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 go and they do camping trips or maybe hunting trips, but there's nothing that kind of there's no network. There's not really good there networks be. out there. There will yeah. be. There needs to be. So listen, you have these two sides of your life. You have uh, a guy who has says, okay, I've I've done this. I traveled, I have the notches, uh, I, I might want to settle down with the family, that's something you're looking forward to in your future. Uh, at the same time, you probably still have your Mexican uh, pirate outfit, your beard is very, very pirate, you have earrings. <laughs> Do I see an eyeliner there? I, I, no, no, everyone thinks I wear eyeliner, no, I just have naturally beautiful eyes. But uh, <laughs> look, I got my pirate ring on me as well. Well, you have, a, you have your pirate ring, so yeah. you have those both, both sides to your life and you're still living yeah. that, you're still going, going on trips every year with your, with yeah. your pals. So what's it's been hard to integrate the two. It's been hard. It's been a struggle to integrate my former self to my new self and to 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 come up with something that I feel like I've integrity and authentic, yeah. like in a, in a in a natural way where you yes. well because we're we're doing this in in one of your bars, but we moved away from from the main room so that your female staff could kind of be safe yeah. from, from your. Uh, Past, uh, I don't mind yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's something I've actually been very surprised to see in in whoever I meet from from this industry because the the deeper I I've, I've gone down this rabbit hole the more I've uh, 
the easier I find it to tell people what I do and the more accepting accepting they are. I've even started just in Latvia, people not in are, other countries. People are quite accepting. They're very accepting. In fact, they're very interested, especially women. Especially, yes. They're I, really I tell, interested. Like, I, not in other countries, yeah. but in Latvia. I very often will tell a girl what I do before I have sex with her. Yeah. I, will, I won't say I teach guys how to fuck chicks. Like, yeah. No, because I don't really think that's what I do. Part of it is what I do, but that's not the long term. I think goal. it actually works in your favor if you say you're a dating coach because they're just, they, they'll light up, they're so interested. Uh, the shy girl, shy girl might yeah. be pushed away. With it. So, what I do is I, I just tell, well, I work with guys who have very serious jobs, very serious lives, and they are at the point in their life where they want to say, fuck this, they want to quit their serious job. Leave their leave their wife and just start traveling the world. Start an online business. Improve their dating lives, and I can I teach them to do all that stuff, which is totally true. That's so that's yeah. I do all of those things, uh, and they are very open to the idea that I also work with dating. Obviously, I don't tell them that. Well, I know that when you said we're not going to have sex tonight, I mean, I know instantly. Yeah. I'm already writing down that's your list. That's so and true. That is so true. I, if anything that's been tr proven true is that if a girl tells you she's not having sex tonight, it's almost like, yes. It's like you're 90% there. Unless you fuck yeah. it up hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to really make big It's mistakes. the ultimate shit test. Because everyone who doesn't, every guy who doesn't know the game will hear that and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Whereas everyone who knows the game is like, all yeah. right, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what's your plan for the future? And actually, I would be interested to come back to Malta in a year. Yeah. Once you assimilated more in your kind of once you once you have merged your past and the future a bit more and see how has that how have you succeeded with that and how you're looking at that like a year from now or two years from now. But what's your plan now? What's your next? You have a new book. That, yes, that is my life is a Mexican pirate. It was out this year. Uh, got to number one in adventure travel. The reception has been amazing. Reviews have been amazing. I'm really happy with it. I'm finishing the audio book at the minute. Uh, I'm a bit slow. <laughs> it's a it's a painful process, but uh, I just set up a, a YouTube studio actually. My my my. Apartment. I saw your channel. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, uh, but it seems you you kind of you started years ago, but now it's kind of starting to become more serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't really I wasn't consistent at all. Didn't really take it seriously. But now I've made a space. I've actually taken a room. My brother moved out of my apartment. I bought a place here, and and I I made a. I got all the lights just arrived yesterday, in fact, got all the, the sound, uh, the bass traps, the, the sound absorbers, got my desk, my, my, my boom stand from my, got all that just yesterday. Um, and I just want to, I really enjoy interacting with, with uh, my audience and answer questions about travel or whatever, and I, I enjoy the live streams, I enjoy making videos, I'm doing a really good video about my sailing disaster at the minute, uh, I love video editing, so I, I, now that I've kind of taking care of myself financially with the businesses, although COVID is killing me because the bars all got shut down now for the next month. But I'm still I'm still surviving. Uh, but now I want to do stuff that I really just enjoy, like play. I want to play a bit more. So I have that studio with all my instruments there. I want to just make some music. I'll eventually get my sailboat here. Uh, my plan was, if I felt confident going around the Mediterranean for a year, maybe take it across the Atlantic and do the Caribbean. I don't think I'm going to take it across the Atlantic after what happened in three days. The Atlantic terrifies me now, especially because the boat is only 27 foot. So what I might do is I might have it for a year here, sell it, then buy another boat in the Caribbean. And then I want to sail the Caribbean. I've been wanting to sail the Caribbean 
for ages because I want to go to every country of the world. Those countries are all close together, but there's no internal flights. The best way to do it is a sailboat. And so I really want to sail the Caribbean before I have kids. And then once I sail the Caribbean, I'd think about family. Uh, so, but I'm going to take a few months off, maybe six months off in 2000, not this not next year, but the year after. Hopefully the world is back to normal by then. I want to do six months just cruising around the Caribbean, spear fishing, you know, hunting, hunting, hunting ahead below the water. Got the, the the solar panels, you know, powering me up. My I can sleep on the boat. It's like the ultimate idea of freedom for me. It, the expression, the best expression of freedom for me is something like a sailboat because the wind is your is your power. You can make your own water as well from, with a rainmaker. Hunt your own fish. Like everything is just sustainable on that one little on that one little boat. And the fact that you can travel around to all these different cultures for me is just the best expression I could think of to exercise freedom before I lock myself down in a horrible hole with, with screaming kids yeah. and, and I got to really focus on, on business and, and, and go to that next period of my life. So I want to, I want to explore that uh, first. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's sort of my short to medium term uh, plans. I'd like to build up the online stuff a bit more with the YouTube channel and um, just cause I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And also, the COVID thing, seeing the effect it's had on my brick and mortar businesses, I, I you know that I, I have a beer import business as well, which obviously just got hammered. They banned alcohol sales here just recently in all the bars. Yeah. Uh, so I got I had just five pallets of beer. I have like six tons of beer just arrived last week. You know and what we should do? Drink it. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a a few, I have a few pints here. I actually totally down for I, some pints. I do have a few boxes going off that I can go begging because it's it, well, I've so much uh, stock right now. Um, yeah. So the COVID thing. I I went building brick and mortar businesses, seeing how vulnerable the online stuff was. You know, Roosh. Uh, I was affiliated his PayPal banned them. Yeah. There's a lot of censorship going on against the Manosphere dating. Red pill, uh, sphere. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, screw all this online stuff. I was like, I'm not relying on this. My income was going down, and there was a lot of my even my website, just the Google rankings. I started to get um, shadow banned. I got shadow banned recently on, on Instagram, for example. I'm just tired of it. So I was like, I'm gonna build some bars. I'm gonna make some proper businesses. Went very well. We opened three bars in 18 months. I opened a bar, and within 18 months, it was like three bars. And I was going, I was like, well, I was starting to build an empire. Yeah, yeah, you wrote on your website, you had like a half a million euro turnover. In yeah, year. yeah, yeah. That's just in, in two of our bars have that. So, uh, well, we got, we had a half a million in total, I think, at the minute. That's what we're, uh, like, here is doing 10K a week. The other place is doing 10K a week. The other place was doing, it's a bit smaller, smaller than that, because it's a small bar, but... Uh, yeah, and then the beer important stuff. So it was, it was turning into a very successful uh, business on track to... Maybe, maybe in a year or two, get seven figures. But uh, COVID just wiped us, man. They wiped. And then there, I'm thinking, you know, I need to go back online. I need to go back yeah. online uh, and focus. You know, build something online. Maybe do a course or or build up my YouTube channel because I realize that bricks and mortars are just as vulnerable as online stuff. Yeah. And you know, things happen. You know, somebody could fall, like get an insurance claim. I got the police on my ass half the time. They've got the mayor ringing me because of noise and there's license issues. I mean, it's a giant pain, to be honest. I'm dealing with staff and uh, issue, internal issues and conflicts. and It's a lot. It's a lot. Maybe a bit too much. 
So I'm kind of stepping back from it now. Uh, my brother's over here. He's doing most managing the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. He's doing a kick-ass job. But I want to, that's why I want to focus more on the online okay. stuff. So listen, the number one thing I realized is I want to read your books. Oh yeah, you so gotta. do that. Uh, I'll definitely read your books. If you guys wanna wanna go online and, and read your books, where do they go? Do they go to your blog or, or somewhere else? It's. I mean, they can check it out on Amazon. I got three books. Naughty Nomad was the first one. Uh, that's pretty crazy. That one. Uh, you have to read that for the Mexican Pirate one. It's the prequel. Um, my writing isn't quite as strong as obviously the last one because there's an eight-year difference. But uh, it went down really well. The first one. I mean. Um, so it, the reviews speak for itself. So Naughty Nomad, My Life is a Mexican Pirate is the other one. Yeah. You can find them all on Amazon or you can go to NaughtyNomad.com, MexicanPirates.com. You can find them there as well. Uh, audiobook for Mexican Pirates hopefully coming out in the next few months. Uh, th there won't be an audiobook of the first Should one. Shoot me an email or a message yeah. myself, I'll send it out to my mail. I also list. have uh, Naughty Nomad's Guys to New York City. I wrote a book all about New York City. I went to 500 venues. I break down all the different the nine types of girls you meet in New York City. It's the most, uh, I'm the number one nightlife expert in the world of New York. So, because I lived there for, for Manhattan for, for two years. years yeah. yeah. So, uh, if you, any guy who's going to New York, check out that book. What a waste of time that one was. No, just because, I mean, it was so much effort to put that book out. And I guarantee in 10 years, all the venues are going to change, certain bars. Of course. So, it was like, it was a, a labor of love, but. Uh, yeah, I definitely, uh, it's, nice. it's a good book. But yeah, so that's uh, that's me. Check me out on YouTube, Naughty Nomad, Mark Zolo. You can search Mark Zolo as well. Twitter as well, at Naughty Nomad. Instagram, at Naughty Nomad. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, thank you for doing this. This has been very fun. You are a guy with very different sides. And uh, a deeper conversation than most guys with, with your uh, notch count would, would be up for. Uh, let's, let's put it like that because sometimes it's all about game but we, we spoke about very many different things it was very interesting for me and uh, I hope one day we ah yeah because I think we have so much more to talk about but you have your jiu-jitsu class in 19 minutes I've already taken 11 minutes more of your time than we agreed no, no, upon it's, it's, a gradu it's a graduation <laughs> I have to be there out of respect so it's not it's not a, it's not a class but... so thank you for doing this no problem man absolutely uh, absolute pleasure you're Pal Diaz Valdez, yeah. Yes, That's thank right. you and Matthew, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, my dear church was, I hope this interview inspired you to take action, improve your day game, and maybe go on a crazy adventure yourself. If you like this episode, please, uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcasting platform, please give this podcast a five-star review. It simply helps me reach more guys with a no-bullshit no approach to day games so they also can learn to improve their dating life and start dating girls they like. And if you have a wingman who you think will benefit a lot from listening to this conversation, just send him a link to this podcast episode. And as I said before the podcast, if you want to figure out what are the mistakes you're making in your day game and what exact things you should focus on for the next 100 sets to improve your day game the fastest and get results faster, then uh, sign up for a Skype coaching call, which you can do by going to strobert.blog forward slash call. Thank you for listening and bye guys.